morning, and I'd like to welcome you all. Let's open with a word of prayer, Father. Here we are at another Christmas, and the story is old. It's 2,000 years almost, or past that. And it can become just something that we do by rote, that we just come and remember this time of year. But I ask that today that you would open our hearts to hear this wonderful story afresh. Open our hearts to receive your word. Open our hearts to receive the Savior. Open our hearts so that our, heart, our lives might be changed. And that as a result, change will come about among those whose lives we touch. I ask for power in the word this morning, that the Holy Spirit would so fill me that nothing but Jesus comes out. I just pray that you would bless us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled the message this morning, A Look Behind the Scenes. And sometimes we, the story becomes so familiar we forget that there are other dimensions to this message. Perhaps this morning you might be introduced to another event that took place around this time that was behind the scenes. But before... I begin the message, I would like to say this. While we are, we are celebrating the birth of the Savior, <clears throat> none of us would be in this room today if it hadn't been for the fact that that one that was born a child went to Calvary. None of us would be here and he came with a purpose, and that purpose was that he loved you and I so much that he came and he gave up his life so that we might be saved and know our sins forgiven. And if you're here this morning and you have never really realized the greatness of the love of God for you, I pray that this morning will change your thinking to the point that you will then come to him in repentance and receive the forgiveness of your sins. So we're going to have a look behind the scenes at the time of Jesus' birth. <clears throat> the holy angels announced Messiah's birth. And we just read from Luke 2, and I'm going to take just this portion out of it. Starting at verse 10, the angels said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Not only to the Jewish nation, but to all people. And those people are those that are seeking and longing to know this one that came as a babe to save us. He came for you, and he came for me. He came for all people. For unto us, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. Can you just imagine what it must have been like for these shepherds out there on the hills? And I was just thinking this morning, and I haven't had time to pursue it any more in my mind, And maybe somebody here has an answer and you can speak to me afterwards. But these were shepherds out on the hills with their flocks. Shepherds with one flock. King James says there were shepherds on the fields caring for their flock. There was more than one. But at this time of night, they should have been in a sheepfold. It doesn't say. This is what went through my mind this morning. They should have been in a sheepfold. But they weren't. And these shepherds were out in the fields and they were watching these lambs to make sure that they weren't damaged in any way because these were the lambs that were going to be used for sacrifice at the temple. And they were out there on the hills and it says the angel came and spoke to them. Have you ever considered that behind the scenes there are angels. When Gabriel came and spoke to Joseph and no doubt to Mary, that had to be nine months before this event. They spoke. The only ones that heard it were Mary and Joseph. But behind the scenes We have myriads of angels. They must have heard that message too. Can you imagine the anticipation with the heavenly hosts that now comes this day when finally this child is born? The one who had been promised from before time. And now this was the very day in which he was born. And when he announced the coming of this one. It says suddenly there was a myriad of angels appeared. How many angels are there? Well, maybe we'll have a look and find out. So for you young ones here, um, there's some things in scriptures that are hidden. And if you just dive, dive into it a little bit, you'll find that there's things that you read on the surface and other things that you've heard over and over and over again go right over your head. And you didn't notice it before. So who are these angels? How are they referred to in the scriptures? Job writes this. He says, The sons of God shouted for joy when God laid the foundations of the earth. These sons of God are angels. God had created the heavens and the earth. They were already in existence. But those angels were there and they're observing God. They're there at every command of His to do whatever He is sending them to do. And they're watching God is doing something new. What is He doing? Here was this sphere within the universe that was void and empty and was covered with water. There was no life in appearance there. 
And the angels, when they saw this, shouted for joy at the foundations of the earth. What must it have been like then when Jesus appears on the scene? So they're referred to as the sons of God. In Daniel, they're referred to as the holy ones. It says, let Nebuchadnezzar's heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones. Here were the angels involved at the time of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. They're behind the scenes. They are messengers from God. They've been there all this time and they're observing all this time how God is dealing with his creation and in particular mankind. They're observing every move. And whenever is necessary, God sends them out because they're ministering spirits for those who will inherit salvation. Even then, God already had in his mind that there would be salvation for the souls of mankind. Sin had come into the world, and he had chosen this method by which mankind could be saved that we're going to be reading about today. So here we are, the holy ones. We're also involved in the indictment against King Nebuchadnezzar. And then what we've read today, they're referred to as heavenly hosts. Suddenly there was the angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. When those shepherds heard the angel speak and pronounce a blessing and a peace on earth, then suddenly, I wonder what that must have been like standing out there on the fields looking after sheep just like an ordinary evening, when suddenly there would have been this explosion of light and the angel comes and the angel speaks to them and he proclaims to them the plan that God had had from before the world began, that he was go about to do something special. A child was going to be born, not like any child. A son was going to be given for the salvation of the world, not like any other son. And then they see suddenly the heavenly hosts. I'd love to be able to ask and pinpoint some of you young people and ask you, how many angels are there? But I don't want to embarrass you. So how many holy angels are there? Scripture tells us. Matthew writes, and this is, this, is, this is Jesus' own words. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How many? The average Roman legion was about 5,000. Sometimes it exceeded that. Jesus says, I could call on 60,000 angels. Can you imagine? The size of that appearing in the sky. And that's only the beginning. Hebrews tells us, so terrifying was the sight. This is Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. 
at the time that God's presence came down when he gave the Ten Commandments, that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So many angels that they cannot even be counted. This is what's going on behind the scenes. The stage has been set. Something special is about to happen. A Savior is to be born. At the beginning of creation, the angels shouted for joy. Can you imagine the joy on the angels when they've been given the message by God, go and proclaim this, and the angel comes, and the myriad of angels come to verify the fact this is the time that God had planned in ages past that a Savior would be born. Why? Because he loved you and me. That is simply what it is. Boil it down. God loved us so much that he sent his Son into the world so that we might find salvation through him from our sins. These angels... They're still watching. If you're here this morning and you have come to a point in time in your life where you've realized that you are a sinner in need of salvation and you gave your heart to Jesus and repented of your sins, there was joy in heaven among the angels over one repenting sinner. If you're not saved here this morning, I ask you, are the angels going to rejoice in heaven today? Imagine the joy the angels have when they see one. And there's been numerous. We can't even number them now. Those that have given their hearts to Jesus, many of them are with him now. They're no longer among us. And the angels, every single time one sinner repents, there's joy in heaven. They're shouting for joy. Why? Because man finally got the point. Have you got the point yet? That Jesus came to save you. Forget your neighbor. What about you? He loved you so much that he came. And he has these numerous angels at his disposal for those who are inheriting salvation. But... There was something going on behind the scenes that Scripture says very little about. We can speculate, as I have done, what it must have been like for these angels to have been there that day and see that what God had planned and to have heard Gabriel say, His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And they're there in anticipation waiting for the day of the birth of this one. They knew God had a plan. They were excited to see it. But the war of the ages was just beginning. Satan was behind the scenes. Going back to Genesis, the Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Satan has tried to prevent the seed of the woman from coming. 
I'm going to have to condense this. There's so many scriptures I could bring in. And some of them would require that I give more of an explanation. And we don't have time for that today. So if some of you think that, why didn't you speak about this? That's my reason for it. Let's just try and keep it simple. Here's the very first instance where we see Satan working behind the scenes. Cain and Abel brought their offerings. Cain brought an offering from the fruits of the ground and the vegetables. And Abel brought an animal to sacrifice that its blood might be shed. You see, Cain, like many of us, want to bring all the things that we think that we have done right, that we deserve to be accepted into heaven. It's what we do. That will never cut it. Never cut it. We find that right here in Genesis chapter 4. Cain brought that of all the things that he had done. And God did not accept that. The only thing that God would accept was the offering that Abel gave, which was the animal and the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. But Cain was so furious that he killed his brother. What was behind that? Satan was behind that. God accepted Abel's offering. And he thought, this is the one, this is the promised seed that's coming. I've got to eliminate him or my life is coming to an end. But he was mistaken. Then he appears again during the time that Moses was in Egypt. And the children of Israel had grown in number and Pharaoh was afraid that they would overtake him or if they went to war that they would side on the side of the enemy so that they would be released from Egypt. And he was so afraid, Pharaoh commanded all his midwives saying, every son who is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. There was Satan once again working behind the scenes trying to eliminate any possibility of the seed of the woman coming that would bruise his head. And he worked behind the scenes in Pharaoh. Hare's decree at the time of Jesus' birth says when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men. You see, he had, the wise men had come to Herod because they knew that a king had been born. And Herod had no idea anything about this. And he inquired from those that ought to know, is this true? And they said, yes, he should be born in Bethlehem. And he says, well, when you go and worship him, come back and let me know and I'll go and worship him. He had ulterior motives. He would have eliminated him there and then. But he didn't know what he was looking for. So he was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he determined from the wise men. You see, these wise men no doubt came possibly even a year after the birth of Jesus. And they had seen in a dream don't go back to Herod. 
Don't tell him where this child is. And then Joseph was revealed to him in a dream. Herod's about to kill all the firstborn. You go down to Egypt. God was behind the scenes, even although Satan was working behind the scenes. And it fulfilled Bible prophecy. Out of Egypt have I called my son. God's plan could not be diverted by Satan. So he didn't know who this was. So he just put a cast a big net. Any of the male children under two years of age, kill them all in hopes that he would kill the one that was going to bruise his head. And he was behind the scenes working through Herod. Here's one that I wonder if you've noticed. Sadie sent me an email this week because she writes up a really nice introduction to the services on Sunday. Um, maybe I don't want to toot her horn, but I will. She can write things amazing. I've given her sometimes just the title of a message in the scriptures, and she puts together something, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. She hasn't even heard the message yet, and she already knows what it's about, and she types it all out. Does a fantastic job. So she emailed me this week. She says, well, is this going to suffice for what it is, your message today? And I said, yes. That's all you need to say. It's on Luke 2. Then I emailed her back, and I said, have a look at Revelation chapter 12. Sadie emailed me back after she got it. So let's have a look at it. Revelation. Let me ask a question. Has anybody here noticed anything to do with the birth of Christ in Revelation? Nobody? Chapter 12. Yeah, you know, okay, you know, Peter dude? Okay. So there's some, they're just everybody's too shy to put up their hands. It's okay. Revelation chapter 12. A great sign or a wonder, this is from the Amplified Version, Warning of future events of ominous significance appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, with a crown-like garland or tiara of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out in her birth pangs, in the anguish, anguish of her delivery. Then another ominous sign was seen in heaven. Behold, a huge red, fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and seven kingly crowns upon his head. His tail swept across the sky and dragged down a third of the stars and flung them to the earth. And the dragon stationed himself in front of the woman who was about to be delivered so that he might devour her child as soon as it brought forth. And she brought forth a male child, one who is destined to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. There's what was going on behind the scenes. This was the time of Herod. Here's proof of the fact that the great dragon, who was the devil, Satan, he's spoken of that in many instances. He was behind the scenes 
And he was there ready for this child to be born so that he could destroy this child. And this one was born not only to remove the sins of the world, but he was born to rule as king over God's creation. We're getting a span from the beginning of time now to the end of time. God's overall plan, yes, his plan was that a Savior should be born. But that child that was born was also the son that was given, and that son then becomes the one who rules all the nations with a rod of iron. So Herod was used by Satan to prevent Jesus from coming to fulfill the will of God to save us. He's made every effort. And he is making every effort today for anyone here that has heard the message of the gospel and has not received it by confessing their sins to Jesus. He's still at work to prevent you from making that decision. He is deceitful. He will do whatever he has to do to prevent you from making that decision. If you make that decision, don't forget, you're going to lose all of your friends. He's threatening. Your life isn't going to be the same. You're not going to be able to do this, that, and the other. Little does he know what the Christian life is like. The Christian life is an exciting life. But he's going to try his best to prevent you from making that decision. And even after you make that decision, he moves in his own deceitful way in order to deprive you of the joy of your salvation. Many of us have fallen into that pit. But David says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. It is God's salvation. I didn't do anything to earn that salvation. It was a free gift of God. And David says, I've fallen down. I have sinned. God, would you just restore to me the joy of your salvation? Make it real in my life again. Some of us here this morning might be in that position. We need to have a rededication, if you will, and reunited to Jesus Christ and find that we fall in love with him all over again. And we've fallen into a pit. That's not God's purpose. So that's what Satan is trying to do to discourage you from living the Christian life. So Satan was unable to prevent him from coming in his first advent. Likewise, he'll be unsuccessful in preventing his second advent. He's coming again. There is a second advent. The coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming. God is not defeated. If it wasn't for the cross of Jesus, this would never be possible. If it wasn't for the death of Christ, this would never happen. God's first plan was to redeem mankind and to bring you into fellowship and a relationship with him so that you might come to know God himself. Why? Because he loves you. 
No greater love has anyone than this, but that they lay down their lives for their friend. And Jesus did that voluntarily. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself and I take it again. If it wasn't for the resurrection, as I said in the beginning, we wouldn't be here this morning. There is victory. The coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Revelation says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it, on him, was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns in a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> I heard last night that Sim's message tonight is on the Word of God. I, I planned this. <laughs> His name is called the Word of God. There's no question as to who this person is that's coming on this white horse. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a, sh a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords in his first advent he came and paul writes that he became obedient unto death, even that of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to God the Father's glory. The day is coming soon when everyone from heaven, earth, and under the earth will bow the knee to Jesus. You have the opportunity now to bow the knee to Jesus. This is still the day of God's grace. He's not demanding anything from you. He loves you. In fact, it was through the death of Christ that God reconciled the world to himself, not charging mankind with their sins. Did you hear that? God is not charging you with your sins. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for your sins. He's not charging you. Does that mean you're off the hook? Does that mean your sins are forgiven? No, it doesn't. What God is doing is he's granting you a lifetime in order to make that decision. And he pleads with you over and over again. How many times have you heard the gospel message and you keep refusing and you're here today and you hear it again? Don't refuse. God is pleading with you today. He sent his son for you. For me? Yes. And I know what that's like. My life changed from that moment on. Jesus Christ's second advent was promised about 3,100 years ago. 
So we'll just read where I started the first message on December the 3rd. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government. And peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Look around us today. Do you see peace? Anything but peace. When he comes, there will be peace. He's the prince of peace. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There is no question that this is going to happen because God has designed it to happen. Why is there an increase in anti-Semitism today? Let's bring it up to date. If you've been listening to any news at all, what's going on in the Middle East, and you have nations that have vowed to wipe Israel off the face of the, world, the map, why? Romans 15 says, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope in him. The king of kings is coming. Satan wants to destroy Israel to prevent their Messiah from returning. That's the simple thing behind the scenes. He's still at work. He's trying to prevent Almighty God in the person of Jesus to come back and to finally deal with the situation of sin in the world. And he's coming to reign in righteousness. And Satan behind the scenes is working in nations behind the scenes to prevent his coming. And they will not be successful. What happens to this great adversary? We're jumping away off into the future. Revelation 20. The devil who deceived the nations was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. His future is already planned. And that was announced at the very beginning of creation. The seed of the woman would crush his head. This is his final judgment. What happens to the son that was given? The Lord shall endure forever. He established his throne for judgment. He judges the world in righteousness and governs, governs the peoples justly. Whether you realize it or not, God made a promise to Israel. And he intends to fulfill that promise. And that promise is coming when Jesus is going to rule the world in righteousness. I won't go any further on that because I think there's a message coming up that might kind of cover some of that. Let me give you one final plea today then. Has God been speaking to you? Do you know that God has been speaking to you? And do you know that you need to make a decision today? 
You need to give your heart to Jesus. Do it today. And those of us that are believers, keep in mind, God is still in control. What he planned before the creation of the world, he intends to complete it. It's going to happen. So those of us that are believers are looking forward for that day when every, bow, every knee will bow. Those that despise and spit upon him, every knee will bow. And we'll see and witness the fact of every knee bowing to our Savior. What a day that's going to be. May God bless you.